Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. The Science of Parking Lots That title should make you wonder whether there is an underlying science to the process of temporarily providing space for the public's vehicles. Recent events have caused me to believe that this is true. Now, parking lots are planned to be profitable structures, although it's more apparent at major airports and in city centres. For example, the nearer you park to the check-in desk at an airport or baggage claim, the more you have to pay. The process of dropping off and picking up people outside the terminal is so chaotic that you're forced to park in the expensive short-stay area. Your short-stay area is further extended by the lack of cashiers, causing a bottleneck of exiting vehicles that moves you into the next timescale of parking fees. That sounds a bit cynical. My airport of choice at that time, a particular trip I took, was Atlanta-Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. Well, I should say my airport of no choice. Atlanta just happens to be the world's busiest airport. Frequent flyers out of Atlanta develop a certain pseudo-skill set over time. If you know what airline you're flying, you should also know what your first choice parking lot will be, and almost down to the row number, as you want to be adjacent to the walkway that is the shortest route to the escalator closest to your airline's check-in desk. Logic states that when one vehicle checks out of the parking lot, there must be one new space available. In the case of Atlanta Airport, there is a continuous flow of vehicles leaving, which in turn should enable a flow of entering vehicles. With today's technology, this shouldn't be too difficult to automate. I have been in many parking lots where you can just line up to enter and in a matter of minutes enough vehicles will have left to make parking spaces available. However, it doesn't seem to work this way at Atlanta, at least in my experience. There are the north and south lots containing hourly, daily and economy parking with the first 30 minutes free of charge. There is also the smaller economy west lot that accommodates fewer vehicles and is not signposted as an option when you approach the airport. The north, south and west lots are within walking distance of the terminal, but there are additional park and ride lots adjacent to the terminal, with shuttle buses that frequently drive by to pick up passengers and drop them off at the terminal check-in area. Park and rides are for people who just have time to spare, like shuttle bus rides, don't like walking or refuse to park at anything more expensive than economy for longer than a day. Now, I was traveling to the small city of Wilkes-Barre in Pennsylvania on a Sunday afternoon for an important meeting on the Monday morning. 
The Friday before, my wife and I were going to Savannah, just for the weekend. I had pre-packed a suitcase for my Sunday trip uh, that I was going to leave in my car at the airport before continuing to Savannah in her car. The idea was to eliminate the need to return home on Sunday night before flying, therefore cutting 90 minutes off my travel time. Now, at the airport on Friday, I found South Economy lot was almost at capacity, so I left my car on the top deck, which was going to be a little bit cheaper. On Sunday, I was dropped off at the airport with time to spare, and I located my car on the level to pick up my luggage for my trip to Pennsylvania. Now, on the way to my car, I noticed several empty parking spaces that were closer to the terminal. So, in an effort to reduce the distance I would have to walk back to my car when I returned, I decided to move it. So, I got in my car and drove down the ramp to a lower level floor, but unfortunately, there was no option to exit until I reached the ground level. When I came off the ramp, I was in 50 feet of the cashier's booth and the parking lot exit with no route back to where I come from. I started to turn around, but other vehicles started to converge on the exit, which effectively boxed me in. So, I had no alternative but to pull up to the cashier. I don't want to leave, I told her. She looked puzzled. Obviously. So, why are you here, she said. I tried to explain the situation as best I could. I parked here Friday afternoon, but my flight wasn't until today, and I wanted to try and move closer to the terminal as there were no spaces nearby when I arrived. Of course, this made no sense to the cashier, as her first thought must have been that I'd been camping out on the airport grounds for two days. You're going to have to leave and re-enter, she said. It was the only choice, so I paid and exited. I circled round the airport towards the entrance to South Economy Parking, but to my surprise, the lot full-sign barriers were up. How could this be, as I'd just left a few minutes ago? There was a parking contestant at the entrance, so I pulled up and asked her, How can you be full? I just left, and I needed to park as I have a flight to catch. She appeared confused and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. You left the parking lot, but you want to come back in? Yeah, that's right, I didn't mean to leave. Well, I spent the next five minutes telling her my story of woe, but she just became more confused and agitated. In fact... I probably sounded patronising after a while, to the extent that she snapped, it's full and you'll have to go to North Parking Lot. As I pulled away, I could see her in my rearview mirror with her mouth wording, just a weirdo. I left to circle the airport again and approached North Parking Lot. To my dismay, the North Economy Lot was also barricaded with Lot 4 size. The North Daily Parking Lot was also closed. I pulled up to a parking attendant at North Lot and asked, how do you know for sure that there are no spaces in there? He said, I just know. And I said, well, so there are no cars leaving this lot right now, which would make spaces available? He said, I can't tell you that because I can't see the exit. So does this mean I can't? That's right, you'll have to use the south or west. Now, by this time, more cars were circling around the Atlanta airport like birds of prey around a distressed animal, apparently what I would see as suffering from the same problem. I hoped the West economy might be open as there were no signs when anyone approaches the airport to indicate that it even exists 
or at that time when I used to use Atlanta Airport. However, after I circled the airport grounds again with increasing traffic congestion, turning a three-minute journey into 15, I was greeted with the same fate at the entrance. This time, there was no one present for me to express my displeasure about the illogical organisation of these parking lots. I glanced at my watch and realised that time was becoming an issue. I now had to resort to the park and rides, something I'd never experienced before. The park and rides are adjacent to the airport, but the short trip to them routes you away from the airport for a short period of time. Within the airport's close vicinity, park and rides are clearly signposted as an alternate parking area when you enter the airport, but not so much when you're leaving. Sort of makes sense. Inevitably, with my frustration and blood pressure elevated a notch or two, I only noticed the virtually unnoticeable sign, or right turn sign, to the park and rides as I was passing it by. Probably I was expecting some huge sign with flashing lights, but it was more like one of those neighbourhood garage sale signs. While I was secretly fuming over this, I found myself on the on-ramp of Interstate 85, heading towards Atlanta in the north. Well, mistake. Now, the first exit off I-85 just happened to be closed because of road maintenance, so my excursion on the interstate was extended for a few more miles. After looping around and heading back onto I-85 South, I was reminded of the previous Friday, and that after two days, I was no further ahead of my trip to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Now, after I took the airport exit, I slowed to a ridiculous speed as to not miss the exit to the park and rides. At this time, my confidence in navigation had taken a hit, and with other drivers showing no sympathy with their stares and blowing horns, it was a relief to finally parking space, albeit out of sight of the airport. When I turned off the ignition, a shuttle bus was close by loading passengers. Hurriedly, I picked up my computer bag and suitcase and started running towards it. My gallant effort failed as the bus pulled away as a driver had obviously been to the same good customer service school as the parking attendants. Now, the following five minutes seemed like an eternity as I waited for the next shuttle bus. After it arrived, I sat down as the first passenger. I discovered then that the driver's policy was to wait until the bus was full before leaving for the terminal. I made the mistake of sitting at the rear of the bus. So as it filled with passengers, even though I was first to sit down, I would be last one to get off. On the way to the terminal, we passed by the entrance to the south parking lot, and I noticed that the lot full barriers had now been taken down and it appeared to be business as usual as cars were now entering freely. It's always the same when you are checking in and pressed for time, as it seems there is never enough staff to efficiently handle the long line of people, and there will always be someone in front of you who has a problem. You can tell this from afar if you see the check-in agent start making phone calls while a customer is waiting at the desk. Now, by the time I made it to an agent, I had no time to make my flight or the connection. Even though I was going to Wilkes-Barre, I had to fly into the metropolitan city of Scranton via Pittsburgh and drive the remainder. 
The check-in agent suggested that in future, I arrive at the airport at least 90 minutes before departure. I thanked her for her advice, while at the same time thinking, if only she knew. As my meeting was in the morning, my only option was to fly into Philadelphia, stay overnight and catch the early flight to Scranton the next day. I spent the next two hours rearranging hotels and car rentals. Now, when making hotel reservations through online discount agencies, some require payment in full at the time of booking and in case of cancellation, a portion, if not all, isn't refundable. Effectively, I had paid for a hotel room that I couldn't use. In my case, I cancelled the reservation and lost 50% of my money, which also gave the hotel a chance to give me my room to someone else. It made me want to phone up the hotel the next day and check whether anyone did check into my room so I could pressure them into refunding my other 50%. The flight to Philadelphia was delayed due to inclement weather in Atlanta. So by the time I reached the baggage claim at my destination, I was visibly in poor shape as well as being very tired. I was thinking at this point that nothing else could go wrong until my suitcase failed to appear at the carousel. I made my way to the baggage office to fill out a claim form. The office clerk was too cheerful for my likings as she sprightly said, How are you doing tonight? This new situation had all the makings of becoming serious. My suitcase never made the flight which was a final one that night. However, it would make it on the first flight in the morning coming to Philadelphia from Atlanta, just after the time I departed for Scranton. Once I had completed the necessary paperwork, the clerk wished me a great evening, of which I pointed out that only 45 minutes were remaining. The hotel of choice for that evening was one of those expensive featureless places about five minutes from the airport, where the shuttle bus picks you up if the driver is working and awake. Another hour had passed before I finally checked in, looking completely disheveled. The hotel clerk was probably thinking that airport security had kicked me out because I came in off the street and tried to sleep in the departure lounge. I took a much-needed shower and then got a few hours of deserved sleep, although it was far from enough for my tired body. The hotel clerk was present, the same one that is, when I checked out later that morning, obviously noticing that I was still wearing the same clothes. Actually, so was she. I checked in for my commuter flight to Scranton, and inevitably it was delayed, but not enough so that I could be there when my luggage arrived from Atlanta. I had to be at a meeting in Wilkes-Barre at about 10 a.m., but the delay meant that it would be possible to get there before noon, plus the fact I needed to go shopping for supplies. My request to be compensated by the airline was greeted with shaking heads as the luggage hadn't been missing long enough for them to pay anything out. Before getting on the flight, I made the proactive call of informing my potential customer of the delay and asking for a two-hour deferral. I noticed a lack of enthusiasm when they agreed to the delay, but I thought it was probably because of the confusion factor after they listened to my tale of woe. Maybe they thought it was all a pack of lies, but just wanted to see how I looked after not shaving or changing clothes for over 24 hours. My frustration level increased as we left the gate and positioned ourselves on the taxiway for another 30 minutes. 
By the time we lifted off, I knew that even the rescheduled noon meeting was now in jeopardy. The commuter plane bounced its way to Scranton through rough winds and teeming rain. As I had no luggage, I went straight to the rental car desk to pick up the keys. The weather provided me with a much-needed shower on the way to the rental lot. I viewed my current state of appearance as similar to that of a drowned rat. The urgent need to arrive at my destination as close to noon as possible caused me to abandon the idea of shopping. I figured I was a lost cause and that they would just have to accept me the way I looked. After all, it was our company's products they would be purchasing, so why should my appearance stand in their way? At least I had some relief that finally I would make it to my destination as nothing else could possibly go wrong. Well, hopefully. It was in fact 12.30 when I pulled into the customer's parking lot. I tried to make the best of a bad situation with my appearance, but as these people hadn't met me before, they wouldn't be able to relate my current shaggy dog look to a better one from a previous meeting. At least I'd persuaded myself that the situation was not as bad as it seemed. However, when I reached the reception area, I discovered to my dismay that my customer had gone to lunch and wouldn't be returning for another hour. I figured I was doomed at this point and my worst fears were confirmed when I later discovered that my potential customer had other commitments of importance for the rest of the day. I was gracious enough to leave an apologetic voicemail for the principal, assuring him I would follow up later in the week. The only saving grace was that I didn't have to present myself when I wasn't presentable. I picked up some lunch and then headed for the Scranton airport where I hoped I could get an earlier flight back home. It must have been one of the shortest car rentals in Scranton's history. How was the car? The rental agent asked. Expensive, I remarked on receiving a statement for $50. I was back at the check-in desk within minutes. Any luggage to check today? The airline clerk said. Well, I wish there were, actually. (laughs) I already checked in at Atlanta, so there was no further conversation between us until she handed me a boarding pass and wished me a pleasant journey. There was, of course, much more I could have said at this point, but having told various people about my travel experience getting here, she might have already known my story via airline industry gossip. After an incident-free return journey to Atlanta, I checked at the baggage claim office, and to my surprise, they located my luggage. It was standing about 10 feet away from me, It wasn't known at this point whether it had actually been on board an aircraft, but it would have been futile to even research its whereabouts over the last two days. With all of the chaos surrounding the beginning of my trip, I had actually misplaced my parking ticket. I always marked down the exact location of my car and put the ticket in my wallet, but for some reason, I didn't do it this time. My mistake was a casualty of stress. When I boarded the park and ride shuttle bus, I explained that my car was parked there but couldn't remember its location. The driver suggested starting at lot A based on some scientific theory considering the time and date of entry. That was a big oops because even the park and rides have three big lots. I was pleased to note in route that the South Economy lot was now open and accepting cars. At least I had my car keys, so when the driver dropped me 
at lot A, I could use the remote entry system to raise the car alarm. The only problem was that I had to be within 50 feet of my vehicle. My luggage had come back to me and now it was a hindrance as I had to drag it around while I tried to trigger a car alarm. I actually saw someone who had the same problem, but he made contact with his vehicle when we passed. I watched him approach the vehicle and he must have been at least 100 feet away from it when he first started his car alarm. Based on that, I knew I would be out there searching at least twice as long as he was. Just to put my theory to test, I went over and asked him how long his search had taken him. He said 10 minutes, but he knew he'd parked in lot A. So theoretically, a worst case scenario for me meant a one hour of searching based on my having three lots to do or search and only half the range of the remote entry system. Seemed logical to me. I always choose the slowest line at the grocery store and the bank, so it came as no surprise when I eventually found my car in lot C. Finally, I was on my way back home. There was only one thing left to cap off, such a nightmare business trip, and this was confirmed two days later when the customer decided to purchase an alternative product. Well, after all, it wouldn't have been right for me to enjoy any success from this ordeal. Better luck next time. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, malcolmjteasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe. Thank you.